Hey there, I'm Akash Mehta, and I'm today's Man of the Hour. Welcome back to the Men of the Hour podcast. Today I'm joined by Forbes 30 Under 30's very own Akash Mehta. Akash was selected to be on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list back in 2019 after having started his career at age 22 as the youngest manager at Estee Lauder Companies. Working his way up very quickly, he then went on to become the senior global digital manager for Dior, youngest at age 25. Now he's on the entrepreneurial journey as the CEO and co-founder of Fable and Maine, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian secrets. Akash and I are going to talk about how young age has nothing to do with your work, what it's like to achieve so much with the top luxury brands in the world, and also some things you should know if you're thinking about leaving corporate America to start your own business. Oh, and Akash can now add being the youngest man of the hour to his resume. Thanks for being the man of the hour today, Akash. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me, Justin. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. I'm excited to have you because we might not have had you should one of our listeners not send us a direct message of your profile and told us that if we did not get Akash Mehta on the men of the hour, they were going to leave us. So to that person who's probably listening now, I'm really hopeful that they're, you know, still listening to us. But if it weren't for them, like, you know, they direct message us because all of us scroll on Instagram, right? That's just something we do. It's where we find new brands. It's where we find new people in the world. And I looked at your profile and I said, we're going to get Akash immediately on the show and we here we are now uh you know but that's sometimes the beauty of social media so to the person who direct messaged us i hope you're still with us so akash to be so young uh, we'll get into all of that but most importantly you're coming to us from the uk i want to get you off this podcast so you can get to go to bed but you said you don't even sleep till 2 a.m so we may keep you here for more than an hour nonetheless i'm really excited to have you but i want to start from the beginning being a young guy, both you and I are still in our 20s. We haven't broken the 30-year-old th- threshold yet, um, but we're also both born internationally. I think there's something to be said about how fast you can grow up, and then maybe that played into how your career played out at an earlier age because of your upbringing. But kind of walk us through uh, you know, how you were able to take digital marketing and everything you were good at there uh, to, to Estee Lauder and Dior and these incredible luxury fashion and cosmetic brands and then end up where you are now. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, thanks for the introduction. I feel, um, yeah, I should, um, uh, it's very, very honored to have this kind word said about me, but uh, um, basically the journey sort of started for me, I guess you can say from my father, um, he was my biggest inspiration and still is obviously. Um, so he, he, he was born in Africa, he's Indian, um, but was born in Africa and during Idia meantime, exiled with literally 50 you know 50 bucks in his pocket came to London and had to start from the beginning his brothers his sister and his parents so his journey um really was one from understanding that you know you not everything is always handled handed to you on a plate but even if it is it's the grit and the hard work regardless of age regardless of circumstance that will get to where you want to go because it's your mind that really powers your dreams and your visions and he always kind of taught me this kind of subconsciously from a young age, never really said those words to my face, but I always saw it in his actions. I think that's what made it more powerful and even more, I think, impactful for me without even realizing my journey, literally growing up to where I am now is a replica of my dad. In an odd way, it's kind of creepy, but um, he did engineering, electrical and electronic engineering, and I did engineering, electrical electronic engineering for four years at university. He's now in the beauty industry over 40 years. I'm now in the beauty industry. so. There's something kind of, I guess, yeah, quite interesting there. But um, my journey, I think, for me was always, yeah, that hard work is really what um, pushed me to understand that, yeah, you are your own kind of destiny. Um, So my journey initially started um, growing up. uh, I knew the power of kind of getting experience. And Mm -hmm. I I also wanted to kind of break that barrier of what it is, um, you know, what's the norm? Because everyone was saying, oh, you know, when a minute you go to university or college and you graduate, you're then looking at an internship role. And then after maybe a few years, you can look into a very junior position role. And this was the sort of path that people were telling me, my teachers were telling me, my colleagues were telling me. And I was not really into that. I was like, no, 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 I think something needs to change. I think, you know, why am I not kind of considered for my own ability or my own mind? And why is it something that's a path I just have to follow because of the mm. sake of following it? So I actually did about 13 internships before I even went to college. Um, every summer, I worked maybe uh, three months until up since I was 11. But I worked in a variety of places, I tell you, because I had all the dreams as any kid would. I wanted to be a director. So I, I got a gig at Warner Brothers Studio in Burbank. 
Um, and then I was like, actually it wasn't for me. And then I wanted to be um, a pilot. So I worked in Airbus in Germany for summer. Uh, that wasn't for me. I then was into cars. So I went for BMW in, in again, Germany for a summer. Uh, and then I ended up going to engineering. And then again, that wasn't for me. So after four years, I was like, okay, what do I want to do? And I always realized it's okay, there's no pressure. Life's about just being fluid, enjoy the moment, but just do what you what makes you happy. So from there on, I, I, I've stayed into the beauty industry and it truly does make me happy. Yeah. Oh man, your story makes me happy. Listen to you rocking and rolling it from age 11 even. I mean, you, you, a spitting image of your dad, first and foremost, I think is very, um, that says a lot about you to be able to follow your dad's path in a way and then not realize it. And then here you guys are. Uh, but I, I want to hit on this idea too, where you at a young age were like, you know what, I'm going to figure things out as we keep going. And I always tell people through school, uh, whether or not it's high school or university level, you know, you have all these semesters and all this extra time, you might as well work. Some of the internships might be unpaid, some are paid, whatever, but it, that, that we know internships in whatever industry you're in, you could be in health and beauty, I could be in media, is yeah. where you are going to really figure out what you don't want to do or what you want to do. And you did the trial and error process of all yeah. of it. Um, so I guess now with without engineering, it, it, that was pretty much what you had studied. Where did you then fall into cosmetic luxury brands and beauty um, to then go pick up a digital marketing gig and then rise up really, really quickly? Yeah, so um, I think I was always a creative soul growing up. I loved my art and music. Um, I attended piano and violin for over 11 years. So when I was in um, university, being an engineering student, a lot of maths, I love my maths, but after a while, you know, studying uh, from beginning to the end, it was quite hard. So I ended up going after lectures sometimes to the studio and I started picking up um, singing. So singing was really the, the sort of my kind of creative outflow during my whole college um, kind of career. Mm. And uh, over time, I was working with a few producers and um, kind of like Sony Music and different ones. And then they were kind of telling me at, this is at 2012, 13, um, the importance of social media for an upcoming music artist and how mm -hmm. I should leverage it, start posting covers and start, you know, gaining a following. Because if I get more followers, more likely I'll get signed officially into the label. So subconsciously, I had this, digital marketing strategy put on myself to say, okay, Cash, you gotta get followers organically. Let's start doing some paid ads. Let's start doing some giveaways for time. Let's start doing that like for like and commenting and you know, understanding social media from the, from the root mm -hmm. upwards. But for myself, um, I managed to gain over, I think 200,000 followers by the end of my university. And a few of my songs um, had like a million uh, plays and some went viral on Facebook. So that kind of got me a taste of social media, digital marketing. But after university, all my friends graduated and they went into high profile flying jobs. I actually failed a year. So I had to repeat a year and stay back, mm -hmm. um, which at that time I felt like everything was crumbling. Like all your friends kind of continue. And I'm like, gosh, what am I doing in my life? Do I have to try find a new degree? Do I start again? And this was at like 20. So, you know, it was about three years, two, three years into my college. But um, I managed to kind of continue my internships and I worked for Burberry for six months during my year out. And the role just happened to be in um, marketing, digital marketing. And then suddenly I started realizing, oh, I actually know quite a lot about this because mm -hmm. my social media that I have for my own music, mm -hmm. I can kind of, kind of transfer a lot of the skills I learned into helping a brand in digital. Um, and then I realized then, so I said, let's finish my degree. Let's get that on a piece of paper because, you know, it's, I think more, not so for, I needed it for a CV because I never really believed that you need to have something for a paper, but more so I needed it for my own self to say that I completed something I started, mm -hmm. um, graduated. And then, um, I literally realized that's my path, digital marketing and mm. I went to Estee Lauder and, um, yeah, the rest was history. The rest was history at a young age. You know, you were able to show your value and your skill set early on because that's what you were good at. Yeah. You know, there's something to be said about when you have skills and when you have value and you can prove that to people, age doesn't really matter. But don't you think there was ever a time you looked at yourself and said, dang, I'm the youngest one in the room? Or, you know, all my senior leaders are 20, 30 years into this business. And here I am telling them what I think they should do with social media and online marketing, um, you know, through influencers or whoever. But have you ever looked at yourself in that way? And I, I've heard you say that you no longer do. But when was the time you had to stop telling yourself you were too young to then level up at a, at a young age? Yeah, I mean, 
I think that's the beauty of, I guess, my experiences by being pushed into a very high position role at a very young age without really understanding the, the, the kind of consequences in terms of hierarchy in politics. Because for me, you know, I never wanted to be a politician. In school, if I saw debates, I would be like, uh, like let's hide under a cover. Um, I can't even watch the news. I mean, every day I would get, I would be kind of, yeah, I couldn't handle even seeing what's happening right now in the world and being in the forefront of it. So for me, anything confrontation, I'm out. But then straight away when I was hired in Estee Lauder, um, I actually was, I started as an unpaid intern in Nested Order. So this is, I graduated and I went, all my friends were in six figure jobs, me having failed a year, still figuring out my stuff. And I went and I was like, okay, I'm gonna be an e-commerce intern unpaid. But then within one month, um, there was a social media manager role kind of being put into the kind of people that were hiring. And then one of my colleagues was like, you know, I think you should apply for it. You're very, you have your, so you have 200,000 followers. No one at that time had following working for a company necessarily um it was they were more either doing it like like influencers were just being influencers but they weren't mm. necessarily in corporate roles as they are today um so i actually applied and after a few interviews i was like okay there's taking a huge risk at 22 but we'll make you a manager the minute i was hired i realized oh wow why are people looking at me funny why are people saying this is ridiculous i've spent eight years in this company and only now i've got a manager role and this guy was an intern and now a manager to be fair totally understandable right but I tried to like explain to people and still had not really much luck some were nice about it someone but I was trying to explain but you know I'm not a manager of e-commerce where you know I know there needs to be experience I'm not a manager of um, you know wholesale and trading I'm a manager of social media I have just as much experience as anyone I was on Instagram the minute it was basically created I've been on social media for about five six seven years so that is not it's a very different type of manager role even though it is a manager level um, no one really kind of looked at it for what the role was and what my ability was. They looked at it for, oh, just a name and a title. Mm -hmm. And then I started feeling very like hurt by the, the, the system. And I was thinking, why do we discourage or blame or, you know, put pressure on young people when it's not about their qualification? Not once was I, not once did they say, you're too young for the role and you're inexperienced. They didn't say that. They said, you're too young. So for me, I felt, it wasn't a complete accusation. Like, you know, you have to then back it up with something more than just age. So I started then understanding this is an issue and I started fighting for it. So when I went into my first role as again, a, a young, when the youngest man, the youngest manager at Dior at the time, I said very clearly to my CEO and my first interview, it's pretty strict and pretty, and I, 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 you know, at that point I said, you know, if I be hired, I'm hired. If I'm not, no problem. But I said, if my age is mentioned in a meeting, I quit on that day. And I put that from day one on the cards. It didn't stop people from saying it, but at least it made me feel that I, I, I would still protect myself if needed because it yeah. was out. Yeah. Because I mean, and I would assume they wouldn't call you out for your age too much in meetings or, you know, because again, it's social media. That's kind of what millennials yeah. and Gen Zers are driving with now. And like you have a large following sometimes and also work for these corporate companies um, yeah. here in America. That's so interesting because I always look at, um, young people in any business. And it, it's almost like the younger, the more hungrier and the more uh, um, quick and advanced they might be. They say our generations are just naturally more advanced. You see two-year-olds with iPads already. I mean, literally, I have friends who have kids who those kids are performing better on Instagram. I mean, they'll, they'll be teaching us. I mean, with TikTok, I need lessons from Same. people 10, 20 years younger than me because this is uh, that's their, that's what they know best. And that's because yeah. they're on it. And social media, I mean, I think like, I think for me, the hard part though was when I went to Dior, I actually I was working in Paris in the head office. So I had mm -hmm. that sort of, someone recently was, there was like some article, something saying, I'm the, the real the modern emily in paris i don't know if you've seen that netflix show but honestly yeah. it is a bit like that because um there's also the impact of where you're located and then the kind of cultural kind of uh, you know and, and kind of like cultural expectation what they're used to and i don't blame them it's just they need like a little bit of education on mm -hmm. how it's okay it's it's not a threat to the position it's not um it's it's a help to the company you know we're, we're individuals yes but what's best for the company um i think that's about bringing the right people no matter for their age into the into the job that and that person then leads to much success for a company like dior so when you went to be on uh dior's team as the senior global 
digital manager. Uh, you obviously were able to do a lot of things in social, but that also included influencers. It included yep. inf affiliate marketing. And so when it came to Dior, you actually brought up $50 million in earned media value uh, with micro influencers. And then you tripled the growth in influencer sales across probably all social platforms. Who knows nowadays, there's like 50 of them. Um, and that's huge. I mean, if anything, that's like you won Dior, like a lot of great new business and brought a lot of value through digital marketing in and of itself. And so not only to prove your value, but your experience then, and then now you have your own digital marketing business um, because why not? <laughs> Support for the Men of the Hour podcast is brought to you by our official presenting sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Big news, Manscaped just released their new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over at all times. Who knew smelling this good could feel this good too? I cannot tell you guys how many times I triple checked myself after a long day to make sure I didn't have a gnarly scent on me, but thanks to Manscaped's new cologne, I will no longer have that worry. Everyone knows Manscaped has the perfect package 3.0 for all the below the waist grooming needs, but they didn't stop there. Complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne signature sent by Manscaped today. With the same signature scent that is in all of Manscaped's formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. It's light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. Think of this cologne as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. Calming and inviting, this signature scent introduces a light citrus burst before settling into the anchoring notes of a woodsy masculine finish. This 50 milliliter spray cologne is even hypoallergenic, cruelty-free, dye-free, paraben-free, and 100% vegan. This beautifully designed glass bottle makes a statement and the manly scent is attractive just to set the mood right. Also, be sure to check out the Perfect Package 3.0 with all the essentials for the below-the-waist grooming needs that you'll have in the new year, including the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and crop formulas. And now you can use the Manscaped Refined Cologne to complete your set and smell great anytime, anywhere. It's time to feel and smell sexy, my friends. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code MOTH20 at manscaped.com. Your balls and body will thank you later. So just be sure to head to manscaped.com and use our code MOTH20 for 20% off and free shipping. Look good, smell good, and feel good with Manscaped today. When you think of everything you learned at Dior, all the success you brought that company, and then now you have your own business where you have 10 plus clients, including Dior, uh, you know, where was that bridge built? I know you mentioned you were working probably a year at Dior and also kind of side hustling to build what you have now with your digital marketing agency. Um, but where can one begin to think like, I want to launch something on my own, but also take everything I've been currently doing at a company like Dior to then launch that like you have? So I think there's a mixture of, for me, the personal experience is two things is for, for having your own business. Um, I strongly believe it's not a sort of um, brainstorming around a table fire session. It's more actually about coming with an authentic idea that might come today. It might come in hundred in in 10 years. Um, but you know, you have to really make sure you're launching a business for you that has an authentic true story to tell. And uh, for me, me and my sister, we have, we're having a discussion one day and um, we, you know, growing up, we used to have um, Ayurvedic hair oils. Our grandma used to massage them into her hair while telling us like these Indian rituals and fables. So story time in hair care was really a thing growing up. And unfortunately, all our grandparents have passed away, but we um, were missing these oils and we were looking at the market. There was no hair care brand dominating the Ayurvedic hair care space. Um, but also most of the ingredients found in the kitchen that we were used to do smell quite bad and not really fragranced. And we're thinking, okay, there's something missing in the market that we want for us. We need it. Our mm -hmm. hair is falling out and we need those products back into our life again. Memory to our grandma, but also the, the industry needs it. And the Western world from, you know, needs, to bring, needs to know about these Indian secrets that we were fortunate enough to be brought up with. Um, but also hair care in general. In India, you know, shampoo was invented in India. Uh, from the champi flower and yeah. um, most of the wigs in the world are actually made like over 90 percent of wigs are made from indian hair just dyed in different colors so people that it comes from the ingredients used so we were on this mission and that with my sister was enough to start you know working on it bit by bit at the same time i think it's so important within if you're in a corporate company to have a very very 
strong and hope, and I think you can relate when we spoke about it a bit before is about a strong um, backbone of leadership and a management or manager who really believes in you and you know you have the openness to talk about you know where you, what your plans are long term whether it's in the company or not in the company and for me it was my CEO and my GM at the time who both are, are doing separate things now but I, I, you know, even all the success I had at Dior, it's not me at all. It's, you know, it's the team, it's the company. Um, I've just maybe kickstarted those ideas, but my CEO and my GM were the ones that were listening, were the ones mm -hmm. that were allowing me and giving me the tools to say, what should we do? Um, so for me, those are like my, I, I say like my godparents, you know, they're, they're the people that really made everything happen today. And um, I actually left Dior because they were leaving Dior. And yep. you know, for me, that was also like the right time to start my progression of my career and my own kind of entrepreneurial side. But um, I actually went to my CEO about a year before I left and I said, I'm having, I have this brand. Uh, what do you think of it? Mm. He gave me so many ideas. He helped me. He encouraged me. So to have that, but, you know, he knew my work ethic was I was in the office till like 9, 10 p.m. And then I would work at home after. So he knew I was a workaholic. So I didn't think he think he thought that I would you know, spend more time on the business and not Dior. But I think he knew mm. that he wanted to be, yeah, he was just productive and helpful to my own dreams, which encouraged me to work harder for Dior and then also myself. So, yeah. We're in the same bucket then. I think a lot of people, not just you and myself, it's anybody who knows long-term that you may or may not be at that company. Um, I want to hit on two things. Yeah. We're probably going to hit a commercial here in a sec. So I'll let that air. No, I'm kidding. I don't really know if we are, but <laughs> if we did great, you played the commercial. No, I'm kidding. So Akash, the, this whole idea of um, being a workaholic, I always tell people, I was like, oh, that doesn't exist. And then I, and then I'm up till 10, 11 PM, just doing things that I think are valuable to what I'm in pursuit of, be it the show, mm -hmm. be it the full-time job, the side hustles, whatever, yeah. you know, take us to that year when you were balancing Dior and then kickstarting um, the hair company yeah. and also considering maybe going on your own venture with digital marketing as an agency for yourself. Yeah. I mean, what did the hours look like? Uh, what were you telling yourself if you were ever sitting for too long and like just working, working, working? Because people, I don't think, listen, I think people don't look at work the same when you do own your own business. But in, you and I both came from corporate America and I'm still in it where business time is like what nine to five. And everybody always says Monday through Friday, nine to five is when you're supposed to do everything. And I find my boss and I excitingly doing things at night, or we used to when before the pandemic, we were going in the office seven, eight before everybody else rolled in at nine 30 or 10. And we were happily just starting the day. Um, so anyway, this idea of workaholicism, if that's a word, I'm going to make it an ism real fast. And yeah. then the time and effort you put into something that is yours and or um, Dior's, how do you define it? And then most importantly, um, I mean, are there misconceptions with it? Do you think that workaholicism is a thing? I mean, I, so I think it depends on a couple of things because I, I kind of, I say work and working and, and work, uh, you know, I'm a workaholic because it's the industry norms. But to be honest, like I personally don't feel like I'm working. Like now I don't feel I've worked a day since a very long time because I just enjoy, I love what I do. And I actually had that same feeling at Dior because I took Dior as my little entrepreneurial business. Like, okay, this is a big heritage company. What can I build that wasn't there before? that it's mm -hmm. like a startup within a big company. So that's why I launched affiliate marketing. I introduced micro-influencers that were never existing before at Dior. I, I built their own affiliate program in-house, um, which, was, which was definitely a, a big moment. I launched new uh, Instagram and social channels for the business, both in Asia and here. So like, I think like, definitely I, I used it as like my, when you build something new or you're, you know, you're the one kickstarting it, there's so much rush and joy that goes with it that you don't feel like you're working for anyone but yourself um, and that's what motivates you and then you kind of lose track of time it's like doing a painting or making lego or whatever you know you just don't count the time so for me i never was bounded recently uh, maybe like in the beginning of my career when i was in the more i guess mm -hmm. internship roles and stuff i was thinking about nine to five but later um yeah it was just whenever i was tired and yawning yeah. then I was like, that's time to sleep if it was 4 a.m or 1 a.m or whatever um, but my, my year was very much, it was definitely difficult, but then bearing in mind, I was in Paris. I had a few friends, not many friends there. 
Um, and most of the nights I was living on my own and on my own. So I was always, I preferred, I always made sure as well, I, I would walk to work and live near work because I liked the idea to be close in proximity. That way I kind of feel like I can stay later sometimes or come in earlier. Yeah. Um, so I literally worked um, till sometimes, it varies, sometimes five and I would do my gym class at 5 p.m. And sometimes I would stay until midnight, you know, and be the last one, well, way, way the last one. Um, but I would always still continue my work at home. So I kind of said, okay, early morning was always my time to kind of put my ideas. So like maybe 7 a.m. to like 8.39, I would wake up usually at seven. That would be when I would do my kind of brainstorming for my businesses. Then I would go to work blast a work day and then either go to the gym or or work more and then in the evening work more on my on my own brand and that sandwich approach for me worked really well because the buns in a way that the the morning and the evenings those were like the fun things for me personally that were like experimenting brainstorming um, and then the middle chunk was more where I felt more stronger because I was actually seeing the change I was actually doing something with Dior that was mm-hmm. making me more um yeah kind of confident in my own ability so yeah I like doing both and I always at a very very young age when I was I think when I was at university I even said this because people always telling me um what are are you doing and I said well I'm a singer and I'm also a student so I always said why do we always are why are we pigeonholed as a society into thinking that we have to say one thing like you know even on forms it says profession why can't it say professions you know uh for me like I feel we have enough time in the day and enough yeah. capacity to do more than one. We might do one, we might do two, we might do three, we might do four, but um, we shouldn't feel by doing more, you are not doing one thing properly. And that's something I want to be the kind of voice to people to say, you can do, I, I've done, I've got two businesses, my agency and my hair care brand, and now I'm working on my third business. So I don't think I'll ever stop, but you know how you grow, you have to delegate and grow and grow a team and bring people with that journey know with you on that journey with you i love everything about that you just made me even more confident to be a host and a producer and an agent or whatever we're, whatever else we're doing in life i think you're right there's plenty of time in the day we have more than enough capacity because we are young you know i was walking the other day and i thought to myself because i'm young and because i'm very excited about working and because i'm very excited about the show and the jobs and the clients i was like but I don't have kids right now. And I don't have commitments like a mortgage, right? We're living in apartments. You and I both, I'm the same way. I wanted to live down the street from NBC because I could walk to work, stay as long as I want to. And there's a lot to be said about that because when you are young, I don't think people, it's not that they're not taking advantage of being young. And I wanted to hit on this with you. It's that they might not know that because you are young, you have all the opportunity, you have all the time, right? And how many times are we told as young people, especially when you were my age, 24, right? You don't have as many responsibilities and don't get me wrong, we have responsibilities. We're growing up as human beings and as adults, but how can we, you really, I wanna hear your thoughts on this and I'll just anecdote, help people that are younger in their early 20s and maybe breaking the 25 threshold, going up to 30 now, help people realize that because you are young, you can do more and it is okay to do more and you can be good at more than one thing professionally. Personally, I mean, we're doing thousands of things professionally, who knows, but professionally, um, how can one understand that because you're young, you can do way more, you can get excited about more, you can challenge yourself more. I want your thoughts on that. So I think like the first thing for me is, is two things to set the premise of it is understanding that life is, you know, you cannot take every day, you have to take every day as it comes and tomorrow it could be there, it could not. So the time is really honestly now, if you have ideas, if you have even small ideas, just try it. But that kind of comes to my second point of being very much excited for and sort of opening up to failures you know it's so important to do that because one of the biggest obstacles is oh but I might fail or I might risk something I'm doing currently or might have a financial impact if I try it it's not as easy but you know I'm the example of that like I did uh, how many times how many things I've done in my life I failed things I've I've tried so many different internships I've I've done engineering to aerospace to now selling hair and makeup so you know there is no 
I've, I've got to where I am today because I've tried it all and I still am going to try a, a hell of a lot more things. You know, that's the most important thing. The journey is still continuing. Um, and, you know, if you're young and young is a very open ended thing, you could be 15 be young. So don't think young is necessarily um, a number, but young is more, I feel, an ability of feeling you have the energy. You also, yeah, you need to have some time opening up. Like, you know, if you have a ch child, if you have um, a relationship, those do eat up into your kind of free time you have and commitment you have to kind of hold to. So I understand it is not as easy for everyone, but there is still enough time, right? Like I always say, like, if you want to do a workout a day, do it, but set realistic goals to do all of your dreams. So for example, or all of your goals. So for example, if I want to do a workout a day, but I want to manage my three businesses, but I want to do, uh, I want to watch a Netflix show because I want to, you know, still have fun and chill and, re and relax. I will do that in the day, but I'll do a 10 minute workout, not an hour workout. And I, and I put realistic um, kind of goals because I found if I don't put it, I won't just, if I put overly ambitious targets and try to do everything, then I won't end up doing it and it won't be sustainable. But number one is I'm open to failures, love them. Cause for me, they're opportunities to grow and learn. I, if I have a small idea, I just do it. I, I rush into it. Maybe sometimes there's a problem. You be methodical, you, you know, kind of analyze the situation, but just go for it. Try, try it. If you want to be, a, uh, you say, oh, I, I want to enter a, a cooking competition, but I'm a financial trader. Just enter MasterChef. Go, go, go. Just do it. And then when, it, when the opportunity comes, then you can decide, right? Mm -hmm. But don't in three years time think, oh, what if I didn't? And I'll give you an example, an anecdote. I was, um, when I was in music, I wanted to be on The Voice, so I applied to be in The Voice, and I got to the, I got a call back, I got scouted, then I was meant to be on The Blind, and I actually didn't go to my blind audition, because I realized, okay, I have two paths at that time, do I continue my corporate career in Estee Lauder, or do I end up going into music, and I actually took the decision to say, you know what, I can't now do both, there is only a certain amount of time, and mm -hmm. I personally want to be one of the world's best entrepreneurs in hundred in ten years. I was hundred in ten years instead of um, maybe the best singer. Personally, yeah. mainly because I felt I was a better entrepreneur than I am a singer. So, but I didn't stop myself from going as far as you know all the stages. I, I did it. So I think uh, you got to just try and use your energy while you're young to experiment with all your visions and dreams. I don't think you would have to even give up on some of that. You can still yeah. sing, right? You can still watch Definitely. Netflix. You're probably watching Netflix and singing with your guitar. I pretty just, much, yeah. Just for and fun. every day, still, I still, yeah, you still, you still can. You can do so much, 100%. you know? And I, I, that's why I was so happy to bring you on the show and so excited to bring you on the show because you've done so much, not just, again, not at a young age. And I'm glad you bring up age is not the number necessarily, but it is more of how you feel, how much energy you have, how much time you're willing to give to certain things. Um, but that that's what it is. Let's pause the episode for a second because I want to tell you about something very special, giving a kind gesture to someone who needs it. We're all still in the middle of the world's crisis of a pandemic, and I have found that sometimes the smallest token of appreciation can be worth a million to somebody. The Men of the Hour team and I have partnered with my great friend Vicky Gruel, the founder of Cosmic Green Candles, to help you with a great idea for gift giving this year. Everyone loves a nice candle, especially one that smells so amazing like Cosmic Green Candles. Not only do they have a huge selection of scents to choose from, but they are made from 100% soy wax and use wood wicks in their candles. Also, my favorite part is that Vicky and her team have been supporting reforestation with one tree planted for every candle bought as their commitment to sustainability which means when you purchase this candle for a friend or loved one now, you will be supporting the planet as well. What a deal, right? Speaking of deals, Cosmic Green Candles was kind enough to provide us with the discount code GIVEACANDLE10 for you to use at checkout for 10% off. 2020 may seem like new beginnings for most of us, but we would love if part of your new beginning was to give a small gift to someone that means something to you. Head to CosmicGreenCandles.com today and use the code GIVEACANDLE10 to show someone that you're thinking of them. Now, being 27, almost 28, do you think that to date, the peers that you're surrounding yourself with sometimes are hard to navigate as you're continuing to work so much? Because I keep thinking about how many hours you're putting in the day. You're having to tell yourself not to work out for an hour, but to work out for 10. Um, to me, the 10 minute workout is just stretching. <laughs> it's 
So, but if you got to do it in 10 minutes, you got to do it in 10 You're trying to build another business on top of the two you have. Yeah. And so when, when thinking of your social life at a young age, these are, you know, when everybody says in your twenties, you're supposed to be most social. You're supposed to be dating. Okay. We're in a pandemic, but you're yeah. supposed to be, um, <laughs> supposed to have a life and then you know spend money and da, 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 da. Credit. yeah 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 i'm sure you and i've both been told like you're working too hard why are you working on a saturday or something oh, right and yeah. but by but by our peers who are you know taking the saturday taking the sunday i love watching other people do that do not get me wrong and i mm. take some of the Sunday and I relax and I'm sure you have certain, maybe you, a yoga class, or I'm sure you go on a mindless walk and you go to dinner with friends every now and then, but it's not something that we, I would assume as entrepreneurs are thinking to ourselves all the time that we need that. Yep. Right. And so, because we don't feel like we need it so much when you do surround yourself with peers, how, how are you now navigating your social life while having two businesses wanting to launch another? It's a very good question. And, you know, first is this is just like my opinions that are always changing. Me and six months ago and me in six months time will probably say there's different things. So there's not really a rule book, but for me personally right now, um, I, I personally find wherever makes me happiest at the current moment of time is what I will continue doing. And right now, perhaps you know, I've, I've been single now for many years, seven, eight, seven years. Uh, so <laughs> cheers to that. And, um, and honestly, like the idea of being in a full-time relationship scares me a bit because I don't know if I have the time I'll commit myself too much. And I just feel like it will be like a, a tipping stuff, you know, for me, like right now, I don't, I don't have the time for that. But yeah. at the same time, my friends, most of them are in eight years relationships about to get married. And I'm like, you know, I'm definitely at seventh wheeling and ninth wheeling and all the dinner parties. And I'm like, all right, this is okay. Um, but after a while, it does get to me. I'm not gonna lie, you know, I would be like, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. I should date more. Or maybe I should um, reply to friends more and stuff. Uh, I think like, I definitely have edited my life a bit more. So I, I'm very selective of who I surround myself with and I'm surrounding myself with um, entrepreneurs for sure. And also my friends and long-term friends that are not necessarily in that space, but are, you know, very supportive of what yeah. I'm doing. They never once kind of criticize, but sometimes it's good to get honest feedback and be like, chill man, like, you know, you shouldn't work till 2am every day. And, you know, for me, it's, it's about taking in all of that, still doing what I know is best for me. And what's best for me is I'm not sitting here until 2am like stressed and, you know, upset and kind of pulling my hair out. I'm here smiling until 2 a.m. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like I, if I'm with a partner having fun watching film or I'm working on an Excel until 2 a.m., personally, I'm going to be probably the same happiness. And I felt this this year and last year when I was at dinners, I was like, I just want to go back on my laptop, you know? That is like a very weird feeling to have. But once you have those feelings at your current time, you know that that's, that's what makes you happy. That's what makes you happy. And being an entrepreneur, honestly, and you can be an entrepreneur in many different things. So it's a very open-ended word again. Yep. But it's a very lonely, very very lonely career yep. if you don't put certain parameters. But more or less, it is. But it becomes less lonely when you learn and you learn to really love being on your own and be your own self. And once you're happiest alone and you don't need anyone, the rest is just a bonus for me. You know, so when I'm with my friends, mm. when I'm watching Netflix, when I'm whatever with people, that's a bonus. But for me, I'm happiest now on my own. And this is very hard for me to say because growing up, I was always needing people around me. I was always like, which friend can I message today? I couldn't be left alone. You know, I just couldn't. Uh, I think Paris is what really led me to, I was forced to be on my own. And it really led me to like love my own company, live on my mm. own. Um, but also I know by having that and by being in my own element is where I can be most productive. Like right now, most of my friends are saying to me, why aren't you quarantining with your parents and your family home just 40 minutes away where my dogs are, mm. we have a cook who cooks everything. And I'm here eating like frozen food, like and just cooking my salads every day in my flat. <laughs> and my friends think you're crazy. And I'm like, but this is where I'm most productive. This is my, mm. this is where, this is where all my work gets done. And I'm the happiest here on my own. And at the present moment. And that's what you know you need to be doing right now. We're a lot more alike than similar, Akash. And I'm very, very happy to be spending this hour with you because there's not too many other people I feel like I've related with being so young, uh, age-wise. 
Um, yeah. and, and anyway, I'm loving every bit of this conversation. You know, you at the top of this interview, you mentioned that Fable in Maine was something that you and your sister wanted to bring from India into the Western part of the world, essentially to bring a better sense of what um, not only the history, but the richness of what hair products should really be valuing uh, to its consumer, for example. So I want to talk about Fable in Maine with you because not only is it your company, right? So what you spend so many hours doing in your flat, eating your salads and frozen foods. Yes. <laughs> um, I'll give you some recommendations on other, you're probably like me where we eat as healthy as we can, yeah. but then there's only so many options, but I'll give you some healthy recs. Uh, yeah, I would love to, yeah. Fable in Maine so when you guys first launched, obviously the bigger purpose of the company, you have to have a purpose as an entrepreneur. You know that you said it earlier, but now looking forward, what do you and your sister want to accomplish? And then what are you hoping consumers are really experiencing with the product? So I think our main mission is not only to kind of rewrite the, the beauty rule book of what is sort of in the market. I want to bring cultural ingredients, cultural storytelling to beauty. Mm. I feel today we have a lot of sort of brands that are definitely fabricated from just meeting I, I call it like brainstorming meetings where it's like okay let's make a pre-packaging uh, instagram friendly get some influence to post about it basic formulas from the shelf and we'll sell it and it can work short term but long term to really connect with the brand there needs to be a story that, and i believe in founder-led businesses where you know who the founder is we know that there's an authentic story in there um so for us we want to really bring our kind of experience growing up and and you know most of my friends who are not um, actually not really not indian at all they um they are now oiling their hair on a weekly basis like one of my mates the other day was like do you mind doing a not that like before like a few months ago but they were like do you mind doing a hair oiling um massage on my head and i was like this is very weird uh, for an italian guy to be asking for a hair oil massage and but that's it, it made me kind of like really emotional that like, that's something that this product is allowing it's bonding it's rituals it's my childhood memories mm. uh, and most Indian households' childhood memories. And uh, I think for us, beyond just formulating responsibly, we also want to make sure the brand gives back. And I really believe in beauty brands or any brands really having a strong CSR or I say CSI, corporate social intention, where it's beyond us as founders, beyond a business plan, beyond just revenue and margin. Mm. What are you doing to really give back? And for us, I've always been an animal lover. Um, I mean, most people are, but I've, I've been like, that's my, my main social impact kind of long-term plan is to really help animals and wildlife specifically. And for me, just sh shocking to hear, you know, as, as I was educating myself over the last couple of years on tigers, you know, we've seen Tiger King this year, last year, oh, so yeah. a lot of raising awareness, but there are more tigers in backyards of, in Texas than there are in the wild. Um, there was hundred thousand tigers once, less than four thousand now. So we're really committed to big cats and, and tigers um, mm -hmm. through our fable and uh, fable main, but through our own fund called the Fable Fund. So for me, that's something that's kind of more exciting than even the product's long term is if I can help and do some good. But that's also my long term vision with what I'm working on is my next brand I'm working on is a body care brand with someone, mm -hmm. and again there's a CSR element, and I want to maybe in five years, 10 years, 15 years, have my own conglomerate of beauty brands that I've say. incubated, I've built, but that truly is known for its CSR first mm -hmm. and products as well, but CSR first. So, you know, you have the L'Oreal's, you have the LVMH and the Cooties and Estee Lauder companies, and I've worked at pretty much all of them. And I was, I was sick of and tired of hearing in meetings Oh, let's let's do some good but what should we do like you know it was basically like forced it was like Checklist. just marketing yeah. we've got to do it and no one followed it through i worked on campaigns and no one even like said oh yeah do we have to pay those that charity and stuff i wanted to be it should come at the beginning of the brand it should come and this is the problem when you build heritage brands or old you know bigger older brands that there's not that story from the beginning right mm -hmm. but now as i'm building brands I'm going to make sure that story is there authentically true mm. and a connection with whoever's founded it to then rewrite what beauty brands should be standing for in the future. Mm. Wow. Yeah. There mm. you go. Fable yeah. in Maine. There you have it folks. I mean, I think that that's, when you have a strong mission like that, people will fall in love with the product even more. I mean, I used to think back in the day with brands, I was like, yeah, unless they have a mission or a huge social impact goal, or like you said, a CSI, yeah. why would I want to shop with them? 
You know, I barely know any brand CSIs because it's hard to tell with these bigger brands. You know, you look at boutique coffee shops or startups or smaller agencies, smaller, um, you know, hair care brands. Those are the ones that are up and actually driving and sale. Don't get me wrong. The big conglomerates are doing the same because they're always going to use but yeah. yeah, Starbucks is always going to have it. Sephora is always going to have customers. But like when you start seeing these other small businesses come up as well, there's something beautiful about that because there's there's room enough for both. But what right. you know, people are starting to see that shoppers that are going to a Fable in Maine are doing it because of the mission more than likely, let alone the great products. And, and it's good to have the, I mean, we're actually, so even sometimes connecting the dots is, is so beautiful, like how with Dior and my agency, but also we are actually, um, we, we launched in Sephora in USA and Canada. So mm-hmm. we're the first sibling founded and Indian brand at Sephora. Um, and for us, they've been a dream retailer and partner. We've sold out since launch eight months ago, like twice. Um, we've done like, yeah, double digit growth each month. And it's been so good to see that even Sephora is like shocked with our growth in the year. Um, we just had a business meeting with them and they're encouraged to accelerate brands like us and incubate them further than the existing brands. You know, we probably get posted more than Dior in their social media. And, yeah. and that's for me is so exciting. And there was once a moment where there was like, two Fable and Main posts and then a Dior post on Sephora's like 25 million followers account. And I was looking at that and I was like, I was just at Dior last year. Like, and now like my brand is there at the same place, you know, and double post. So like, that was like a moment where I was like, wow, like everything's changed. This world is allowed now for so much newness. I built this brand two years ago, my sister, and now look where it is um, today. And that's exciting. Oh, it's exciting. And it's serendipity, if you ask me. I mean, you probably put all the energy and work into it and you manifested all of it. Um, I want to get some advice from you as we're starting to wrap this interview here, because I think there's a lot of people out there who are, and you alluded to this earlier, who might be a little scared, uh, a little timid about the time they'd have to spend launching their own business. Um, There are probably some people listening right now who are younger, who feel like they're stuck in corporate America, but they want to do their own thing and just don't know how. Um, Gosh, inspire us, Akash. I think that you know, I, I don't really know how to pose this other than if you were talking to anybody who wants to do something on their own or simultaneously side hustle while working a job that they consider a really good job for themselves, even sometimes, what would you tell them? Like, why should people just pursue the hell out of what they want to do? So I think first is like the market's changed and acceleration of a business is stronger than ever. Um, you know, you can really grow to a million, even a billion dollar business within less years than ever before today because of social media, because of new currencies and all this stuff, it's all changed, the whole market's changed. Uh, and you know, you should ride on that and benefit mm-hmm. from it. Everyone else is doing it who's launching brands, right? Um, but I think also is about putting a realistic target. So a lot of people ask me, yeah, but I don't have the connections like maybe I do, or I don't have the opportunities and it's not as easy to get the job at Dior. And you know, my, my first thing is, never assume how people get there but um, always assume it's from hard work to motivate you further and it's about being smart about it so making sure you know yes and first way of thought you know for example i'll give you my sephora story um we we basically um knew who the ceo was and had an email but I, we never emailed the ceo of sephora we linked in hair mess we linked in message the hair merchant um with just a cold linkedin message hey, we'd love to present an idea. We finally got a reply a few weeks later saying, sure, just send it over. We sent them a brand deck. She actually read it. She was like, interesting. Maybe can we do a Zoom? And then it was like, come back for another meeting, another meeting. And then before you know it, we're stopped at Sephora. So even the power of social media, LinkedIn, a friend of a friend, there's always ways. Today, never assume nothing is unreachable. And once you have that, be smart about it and Yes, try to balance it too. If you're working in corporate, don't quit straight away. You know, you can do both. You can put sometimes fake meetings in your diary in your company. And as long as you're working hard, do it. Like, you know, just be smart. And we need to anyway, as corporate, learn to be agile and be flexible. Mm. Someone takes an hour, 11 to 12, but they're going to work from six to seven. Let them. But work both until you get to a point where one is taking over the other and that one is hopefully your own business. And then you can quit, but you know, you need that financial stability. Um, and then make sure, make sure, make sure from day one, when creating your business, your financials, either hire a CFO or get you know, some financial help is so important because that can really make or break a business, no matter how well you do. 
in year one, year two, year three, if your financials are not set in stone. And I don't mean funding, which is very important, but I mean how you spend your money. Um, that is the biggest lesson on an entrepreneur. Your idea is just as important for sure, but that those two, your idea and your financials are very important. But yeah, basically in a nutshell, that sums up my, my tips if you're wondering. <laughs> we didn't need you to write a book for that one. That was great. I know. I thought better Listen, be safe. No, thank you for the tips. I learned. Let's take all those tips to the men of the hour and start doing a little more, right? No. <laughs> Akash, we've spent the last hour together. I've learned a lot about you. Hopefully everybody who has been listening has learned a lot about you. Um, you know, you can't just look at Akash Meta as the Forbes 30 under 30, uh, 25 year old anymore. You're grown, you're three years out of that, but you got that for a reason. You've had a lot of success. You've had what, almost 20 internships. There were so many experiences you had, uh, and, which led you to not only figuring out that you didn't wanna be an engineer, but then after getting into the cosmetics and the beauty and the luxury brand industry, which all intertwine as we know, but you were able to elevate brands like Estee Lauder companies and Dior to next level because of your relation to social media, your online presence, right? And because maybe you would have made, and who knows, you might've went the voice direction and things would look would have looked so different for you. Um, but instead you did what you knew you were good at and what you were passionate about. And it's what's keeping you up until 2 a.m., which is why I don't feel bad about being on the Zoom call with you close to 11 p.m. your time over there in the UK. I cannot thank you enough for being today's man of the hour, um, for all the things that are coming for you, for your businesses and for your agency. You know, I wish you nothing but the best. Thanks again. And I think that uh, we'll, we'll stay friends for a long time. I think there's there's been too much here. I will always pride our show on creating friendships and friends of the show uh, and for myself because you are such an incredible person who deserves much success. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Justin. Hey, it's Justin Crawford, and I want to thank you so much for being here on this very episode today. I hope you enjoyed it, and we will certainly be back next Monday with another great guest. Until then, if you would be so kind as to leave a rating and review right here, we would love to hear your thoughts on the show and how we can bring you exactly what you need. The Men of the Hour podcast is also on Instagram and YouTube at Men of the Hour podcast, where you can find the full video interviews with our guests and all the sneak peek exclusives. Thanks again for listening. Now get out there and make a positive change for yourself and those around you. 